Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. This is Silva Genchev. I'm the co-founder of Reset. We are an open table meets WeWork co-working solution based in Austin, Texas. I hesitate to use the word required because I I don't like to like tell anybody that there's a certain thing that's required right. to start a company. I think it's really, really helpful because I think startups are just a different beast. Um, you know, there is... A lot of times, not a lot of structure. You are constantly doing, like, a million different things. Right. Um, like, you're maybe you're doing, like, admin stuff one day. Maybe you're, you know, pitching to investors the other day. Like, you have to really be able to kind of put away, like, what your idea of my job is. Right. And kind of just, like, get shit done all the time, even stuff you don't want to do, and that sucks and is, like, beneath you. Yeah. Actually, there is no beneath you. I would say, like, just get rid of that mindset. Absolutely. Like, I don't like sales. Right. I hate it, and I have to do it all the time. Yeah. Um, So I would say it's not required, but it helps you kind of get over yourself and get over the fact that there isn't a job description, there isn't structure. A lot of times you're just going to have to figure out what needs to be done by yourself. I would say, you know, looking forward to hiring people to work with us at Reset, I actually would really value that they do have some startup experience And even better if they have experience where they've failed in a startup or a startup has failed, just because that's, you know, statistically very possible. And I think if people are kind of in the back of their head, like, you don't want to fail, but if it's something that has happened and you know how it goes, it it helps. I love that you said that. I've heard that a bunch, that um, people look for others with experience of failure, which is funny because when you're personally experiencing the failure, you feel like such an idiot. Like, like, this is terrible that I have experienced this failure or why am I not good enough? And because of that, like, I experienced failure. Where in so many of these interviews – 
the hiring the people in charge of hiring <laughs> say we look for someone who has failed so it's actually a powerful thing but it does it never feels powerful no <laughs> no and i think it just shows you that like that person doesn't let it like it doesn't get them down like they can move on from it eventually because, eventually after so many because, tears like, <laughs> yeah you're gonna you know you're gonna mess stuff up all the time and you're gonna fail and if you like are constantly getting down on yourself yeah. about it. Like, you just can't make progress. So, you know, it's hard, but... What is your favorite uh, software or app? Trello. Trello, Trello, I Trello, hate, Trello. I all the time. Where's Trello based? In San Francisco, right? Well, we have Atlassian here, but Atlassian is an Australian company, and they oh. own Trello. But I don't know where, the like, the Trello part of Atlassian is based. Yeah, I... So many, Some of it is based. So yeah. many women in tech have said Trello. <laughs> and then, um, what's your favorite book? Ooh, so right now I'm reading The Originals by Adam Grant, and I really like that one. Adam it's, Grant, hasn't he written a bunch of with business With Sheryl books? Sandberg. Yeah. Uh, so they also wrote uh, Option B, which I always call Plan B, but it's not it's <laughs> Option B. Um uh, yeah, and it's really good. It kind of talks about, like, different traits of entrepreneurs that you wouldn't think. So there's a whole chapter on procrastination. I am a procrastinator, so, like, full disclosure, yeah. I like it because it basically tells people that it's actually a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it gives you more time to, like, think about it rather than, like, you know, when you, like, get something done right away and then you think about it a little bit and you're like, oh, actually, like, this is the better right. way to do it. Hi, this is Sarah Brand, founding general partner of True Wealth Ventures, investing in women leaders, improving environmental and human health, a VC firm based in Austin, Texas. When I went back to my high school reunion uh, recently, I won't yeah. tell you which one. It was so funny to look to meet these people who were yeah. um, well, not meet these people, um, see my Re-meet. friends, yeah. yeah, see my old friends who that were just not my best friends that I keep keep in contact right. with, but people that I knew well in high school, but just had lost contact with, and they were introducing me to their spouses and saying, "This is the girl I told you about who was like." explaining how rockets worked or airplanes worked. Oh, or, or, and so I had no um, self-image of myself right. being that technical or, you know, back then. But yeah. <clears throat> my dad was a mechanical engineer. And so I think that's what started it. Most, I'm a mechanical engineer. That's what I studied for uh, my bachelor's and master's and PhD. And um, I, I've found that women in mechanical engineering specifically almost always have dads who are mechanical engineers. So I think just growing up, he would always explain how things were made or how things worked. And so I wanted to explore more of that. I think that's what started it. Yeah. But then um, I recently – so my – I quick on my background, very male dominated and um, with three degrees in mechanical engineering. Yeah. I was usually the only woman that, you know, had the bathroom to herself <laughs> and then uh, went into the semiconductor electronics industry for 20 ish years, more technical roles originally, right. like Intel and applied materials and companies like that. Then I switched gears, went into strategic management consulting, then venture capital and really knew I wanted to do venture capital long term because of the great blend of using my technical background to meet with entrepreneurs and think yeah. about the next solutions, but also use more of that management consulting background to help them with whatever problems they needed to solve business-wise. Yeah. And so I wanted to go get more operational experience to be a better venture capitalist, not be the, you know, PhD who went into management consulting and then is going to tell you how to run your company, right. but really more hands-on experience first. So um, went into industry and did a bunch of um, operational roles and a lot of M&A 
Um, I can get into that more. But that's where I was when I um, I knew I wanted to get back into venture capital, but towards the end of my tenure at literally over 10 years at this company, right. Fortune 500 tech company, I was asked to be the executive sponsor of the Global Women's Forum there because I was the only woman who was a vice president who had any technical or operational experience. Wow. So that's when my eyes were open to the fact that wow. that was the case. And you know what? I was just thinking, uh, people ask me often, what's the one common thing that after in- having interviewed hundreds of women around the world, what's that one common thing that they all have in common? Normally I say, which is true, that a lot of us don't feel we're enough. It doesn't matter at any level, internship or CEO of a multi-gazillion dollar company. It's just it's a very strange thing to have in common. However, I don't think about a lot of us have had fathers in technology. Like my dad was in tech and got me my first video game set and got home office with a computer. And it's very rare that I hear about a mom in tech. And I think that that was because that was that time right. or something. And maybe now moving forward, there will be more stories of mom in techs. And mm-hmm. so I receive it as like a parent in tech. But it's inter- it's a lot of times it's the dad. Yeah. With the yeah. interviews I've done. Yeah. yeah. And then when I was fi- – I can tell you more about, you know, how I decided to become this – you know, found this this um, VC fund. Yeah. But I did a lot of self-reflection on what – did I like to do when I was little because yeah. I hadn't thought about that. And I found that I read lots of kind of sci-fi books, yeah. but like Einstein or physics and that like, that's what I would do in my free time as yeah. a natural. And I don't know if it was probably influenced from just thinking mechanically or thinking, you know, right. like an engineer, but, yeah. but this is before I went to college. Hey, I'm Siri Chaka. I'm the co-founder of Reset, partnering with local restaurants to open up their spaces during the day for the remote working community to work out of for the cost of two cups of coffee a day. We're based here in Austin, Texas. We wanted to go through a business model that has the least risk. And the least risk makes meaning all the costs are variable. So even if we don't get revenue, we're fine because we didn't spend any money. Right. Our host is different. Our host is the only fixed cost we have. That's what she was saying. I was surprised. And so if we were to be the host... We would have to quit our jobs. And to us, we make more money than a host would be paid. So in in the way we're thinking about it, when it's flexible, we'll host. But if it's not flexible, we'll pay someone to host. And we're looking at people for hospitality backgrounds. So the way we're doing staffing is like half days. So Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. We have three restaurants. There's only two of us. Um, So she works part-time remote. So there might be slots that she could like she has pretty easy workload she can you know be a host and also work i'm off project and when i'm off project i i can work like wherever i need to and so i can go and do like a week at a restaurant so it's we're, we're building it very flexibly so we can do that to reduce costs but we're not going to quit our jobs to do that walk me through reset because i think i think i may be misinterpreting one thing what i pictured reset i pictured kind of like um i was telling silva there's this company in la called uh, work party without the vowel vowels it's really cool i think you guys should collab together okay. um they do pop-up co-working but it could be in someone's home oh, and this fun. stuff okay and they've built the tech for it and i feel like super nice guy aiden i have such a collaborative okay kind human spirit. I feel like you guys would accelerate one another. Um, uh, But uh, 
he does pop-up co-working. So it's at variable times. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to sound like, and maybe I'm misreading it somewhere, that you guys have a set. We do. Really? So yeah. that I completely did not get that. No worries. No worries. Okay. So we partner with dinner-only restaurants. So, for example, Nightcap, which is in Clarksville, um, they are open 5 to 10 for dinner. And so 8 to 4, that space is sitting pretty. Right. Right. There's people in the kitchen, like, afternoon, like, prepping and stuff like that. Yeah. But the front place is completely empty. Right. So that's what we use. So And it's every day, then? It's every day. So, oh, totally didn't get oh, that. Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. But, but still, it's on a – it's yeah. literally, like, getting – a co-working path, yeah. and like it's exactly. your alternate office. Yeah. And yeah. we're not, and and I think it's pretty important to keep in mind we're we're trying not to labor ourselves as co-working because we don't have phone booths, right? We don't have uh, unlimited beer on tap, and yeah. we don't have the hours that a co-working yeah. space. This co-working, like the one we're sitting Impact in right now, hub, yeah, it's it's great for people that have startups that like are too big for someone's house but too small for a retail space. Right. It's great for people that are client facing totally. that have companies that subsidize. Totally, like this. I used to work here. I loved Impact Hub, I love Impact but then Hub. when I switched jobs and <laughs> yeah. I don't have a company that subsidizes yeah. that, that was really hard for me to defend out of pocket. Right, right. And that's those are the people we're targeting. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.